This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents the 2023 Rockets Draft Lottery Show. Here's Landry Locker, Brandon Scott, and Adam Spolane. All right, it is the Draft Lottery Special. Perhaps one of the biggest moments in Rockets franchise history awaits. Landry Locker joined by Brandon Scott. And Adam Spillane. Fellas, I'm going to let you guys set the scene. Let's start with the odds. Let's get nerdy. Spillane. Why do you let, just go to me? Well, just, you know, just flip the coin. Give us the odds that the Rockets are going to have this number one pick. It's 14%. 14%. They have the best odds. There are three teams with with odds at 14%. It's them, it's Detroit, and it's San Antonio. So 14% chance of landing the number one pick. They have a 40% chance of staying in the top three. Okay. A 52.1% chance of staying in the top four. The farthest they can fall is six. Okay, so six is the furthest. So six is the worst worst case scenario. Yes. What are the odds of that? Uh, let me pull them up very quickly. Thought you would know this off the top. I of the should. I, you I, can I, we don't. But, but the the issue is even focusing on the worst case scenario. Twenty percent. You got to think about it. But so it's you like, have a better oh. chance at the worst case scenario than the best case scenario. Yes, that yeah. is exactly right. So fourteen percent chance at one. Thirteen point four percent chance at two. Twelve point seven percent chance of three. So that's forty point one to stay in the top three, which is important in this draft because really there is a clear divide once you get past three. Twelve uh, percent chance of four. 27.8 of five, and then 20% chance of six. And they won a coin toss with San Antonio. So San Antonio and the Rockets finished with the same record, but because the Rockets won the coin toss, the Rockets can only fall to six, while San Antonio has a 7% chance of falling to seven. Yeah, but the other big thing is that you talk about the drop-off after three. There's also that clear drop-off after one. Yes, like, very true. Like that's, the, that's the big thing here, and we're going to find out really soon. But the reason why this is such a big moment for the Rockets is because really it's a big moment for the NBA. For the NBA, it's like history. Like This is going to change sort of the trajectory of a, a specific team, but also the NBA at large, because wherever Victor Wimbyama goes, the idea is that that place is going to be relevant sooner rather than later. He is the best prospect to really enter the NBA, probably since LeBron James did exactly 20 years ago. So let's uh, let's lay it out. We're 14 minutes away from the unveil. Uh, M.A. Uh, Udoka is going to be representing the Rockets, so he's going to be up there looking looking sharp, face of the franchise up there on the stage. So tell the people what makes this guy so special, uh, guys. Give me the give the people the breakdown because there's a lot of people who aren't familiar with this uh, and and what his game is. What makes him so special? He is seven foot three, 
Maybe. He might be even taller. There are some people that say he might be as, as tall as seven player? foot five. Yeah. This is basically what he is. This is the type of player that you create in a video game because he can do everything on the floor. He can score from all three areas. He can create shots for others. He can put the ball on the floor. And defensively, he is excellent, especially around the rim. And probably his mo one of his more viral highlights was he took a step back three. He missed it. He got his own rebound before the ball hit the floor, and he put it back for a dunk. Yeah, I mean, that's the type of thing that... You, you would have to see it in order to believe it. You box out shooters so they don't get the offensive rebound, but not with the thought that they might tip dunk it. Yeah. You know, like you're trying to, to not have that long rebound or to create that extra possession, but it's normally not a dude that you think is going to, who took the shot, the step back three is going to come in and tip dunk it. Like that's a, that's kind of almost an inconceivable thought. So like I would add that it's, it's the fact that he's that tall and can handle the ball the way that he does. Like you haven't really seen anything like that. Someone that's seven four that can handle the ball the way that he does and create the, the way that he does, and obviously is a rim protector just because of how tall he is. Like he doesn't need. We talking about a dude that doesn't even have to elevate to be a factor on the defensive end. He's just that big and has that kind of reach. And then the athleticism obviously translates as well. The the, the only question for me, and the biggest concern for whoever gets him would be. Whether somebody with a body top like yeah. that can stay healthy. I mean, I think that's the biggest concern. There haven't been a lot of guys like actually most guys who are that size or that height have injury concerns. He's somebody who was healthy over the last year, but has had injury concerns over the past early on in his career has been a phenom for as long as we can remember. But that would be the biggest question mark. If everything pans out the way it's supposed to. He'll be a, a franchise and league changing type of player. So we're going 21.6 points per game, 10 and a half rebounds per game, and 3.1 blocks per game while shooting 47%. That's, I'm looking at the stats right now. And this is in a lower level league. In, you know, he's playing in France. So Way it's not to hike like your he's, leg on it, Spo. He's, 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 not, he's not playing. But I'm, in yeah, a sense, I'm just explaining. Yeah, it's, it's more of a. The league isn't great, but it doesn't take away from the talent that he actually has. Well, the league isn't great, but it is a legitimate pro yeah. league. Like these are, this is a league where he's playing at where guys who don't make it in the NBA, like over here, like the college players that you might remember and think of, where they go over and play. And, and if they're really good, they make it. Like the, it, it's not the NBA by any stretch. And that's another thing where you, that you got to look at. But like, how does it's, it it's not the Euro League either. Like it, it's right, not like yeah. he's playing Real Madrid no, and Barcelona correct, and the teams out in in Turkey. Like it, it is, it is a step below the best European. But it's also it. not like overtime elite. You no, know what I mean? No. It's it's not it's it's not a complete joke of, of the type of competition that he's out there doing this against. And again, the talent is absurd. And when he you know he he played against the G League Ignite in a game in Vegas, I think it was back in the fall, and he completely dominated the game. So when you put him up against top American prospects, he has been terrific. We got the uh, the countdown. Ten minutes now. Worst case scenario has to be San Antonio gets the first pick, right? I think we can all agree on that. San Antonio first pick. I, I think that would make a lot of people sick around here. I, I don't agree because I think worst case scenario is that they fall out of the top three. Okay. You worry, you worry about yourself before you start worrying about other teams. Yeah, and if we were to make it, Victor specific in like the worst case scenario to me it's if he goes to Detroit because like I that that's somewhere where I feel like a talent like that is kind of wasted in a market like that no disrespect to Detroit but you know I'd, I'd actually like to say I'd be more interested to see him 
in San Antonio. And honestly, Detroit would be like sneaky, kind of scary. They've got some young talent over there. You add him to it, to the mix, and really you build around him with what they've already got. That's something that I'm not trying to see. But I'd agree with Adam, man. You you don't want to yeah. fall out of that top three because the drop off after three is pretty significant. We're nine minutes away from the selection. We'll have it for you live here on Sports Radio 610. Landry Locker, Brandon Scott's Adam Spillane, Chris Santiago holding us down. So the other big talking point, and I want to see how these two things are connected, is James Harden. Mm-hmm. If the Rockets get the number one pick, does that at all impact whether or not they would have desire to bring James Harden back? No, and I think it makes the decision easier because you still have that gaping hole at point guard and he fits that need perfectly. And so you basically look at your roster and you would have Wembenyama probably playing the five next to Jabari Smith Jr. You kind of have, a, it's a little unsettled once you get to the three and then you would have your backcourt of Jalen Green and James Harden with Kevin Porter Jr. coming off the bench. So I think that the Harden thing becomes much, much simpler if they wind up with the first pick. There's a lot of negative emotion tied to the James Harden conversation from the fan base and people who were around and down with the Rockets at the time and haven't watched since have often cited, hey, James Harden is the reason why I don't like the Rockets anymore, the reason why the Rockets are in this position to begin with. And it doesn't help for James Harden that he showed up for two games in his semifinals uh, for the for the 76ers and didn't show up when they needed him most, uh, you know, in game seven. And so, like, the way things ended, I think, from an optic standpoint has a sour taste has left a sour taste in a lot of fans mouth but the reality of it is is James Harden is the prototype of player that would remedy a lot of the problems that the Rockets currently have like they need playmaking they need shooting and they need overall basketball intelligence and James Harden would provide that like if you were telling me the Rockets were trying to be a championship contender next year and you need James Harden to be some kind of factor in a game seven I don't know how I would feel about that but somebody that well, could, hell, if they're talking about a game seven, sign me up for that. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. but they're not. You know what I'm saying? Like they're they're talking about like and we might talk about this later, but the Rockets are talking about success in a different way. Like, how can we go from being a lottery team to perhaps a play in team? God forbid, even a, a, a six seed or something like that. Like they're trying to make that level of progress. And James Harden is the type of player that could elevate you to that to that type of space on top of drafting whoever it is that you get, especially if you get somebody in the top three. Well, and let's just point this out, too. They haven't played an important game since they left the bubble. And so that's what they that's what they are building towards. Let's just play important basketball games in the spring before we start worrying about how we're performing in the postseason. And But the Harden conversation becomes much more interesting if they fall from one, and let's say they wind up at two. Yeah. Because we have not talked about this yet. I think the second best prospect on most boards is a point guard in Scoot Henderson, who has played at the with the G League Ignite uh, this past season. So let's say they wind up at two and they decide to take Scoot Henderson. What does that mean for James Harden? Or do the Rockets decide, you know what? We're just going to have Harden play point guard. We'll pass on Henderson and we'll go for the wing in Brandon Miller. Yeah, and that's the part that's interesting. To out of be. Alabama, yeah, yes. out of Alabama, who also has a little bit of controversy yeah. tied to him, but 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 Leave also, well, no, I'm 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 just saying that that that's going to be part. Of, look, when he gets drafted, that's going to be part of the conversation. Yes. I mean, if he becomes a rocket, that's something that you're not going to really be able to avoid, especially after the Morant stuff. Too. Yeah, absolutely. But but Spo was I, trying to get rid of his rid rid of his friends. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't on Instagram. Let's, let's be serious. He was trying to get rid of it. Yeah, a little a little bit of a different scenario, but gun related nonetheless. But the thing we've talked about this on the H Town Hoops podcast, Bo and I, that 
this is an interesting sort of decision to make. I think that it's interesting from the standpoint of, hey, could you could you sort of avoid the awkward, hard reunion? And and they don't. Let's just be clear. They don't view it as awkward as the public does. They don't view it the same way. They just flat out don't. But could you possibly avoid that since Scoot Henderson is the type of uh, the, the the type of prospect that would be worth drafting number two overall and sort of build on that since he does fulfill a need for you you can kind of avoid paying hard and a bunch of money and, and invest that pick in scoot henderson and then figure something else out uh, in free agency like to me that's a fascinating hypothetical and alternative let's take a little trip back in memory land this is one of my favorite parts of this whole thing when they announce the representatives a lot of memories coming up we'll be back in a second it's about to go down will the rockets get the top pick or not stay tuned we'll be back in a second it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas Sports Radio 610 presents the 2023 Rockets Draft Lottery Show. Here's Landry Locker, Brandon Scott, and Adam Spolane. All right, we'll get you out there. Oh. We're close. They're uh, introducing the uh, the participants. Dan, Brandon Roy, uh, representing the Portland Trailblazers. Yo, I have not seen him, it feels like, in a decade. Kind of looks like Kenyon Martin right looks now. Like, looks like he's on the... Uh, <laughs> Apparently, you haven't been going to CC's. Uh, <laughs> he got paid. He's <laughs> Brandon, living good. I just saw Brandon Roy. He doesn't. He doesn't have to get off the couch. One, for one a thing. Damn to, thing. Well, one thing to watch is we, as we as we start unveiling the picks. If a team, um, you're going to have teams that jump into the top four. That's when you start to get a little worried if you're sitting at that on that stage with the Rockets. Man, Brandon Roy. So Toronto, New Orleans, Toronto, Oklahoma City, Chicago, Dallas, Utah, Washington, Indiana. Orlando and Portland. If one of those teams, if their spot gets picked, that means that somebody has fallen out of the top four. Yeah, I thought Chuck yeah. Hayes was up there. That's yeah. Brandon Roy. And just as an interesting kind of historical nugget, just a few years ago when New Orleans got Zion in 2019, they jumped. They, they took a big jump. Yeah, they had like the ninth, eighth or ninth best odds. Their odds were somewhere around five or six percent. So that would be like the. One, two, three, four, five, like the sixth or seventh best that's team. That's Washington. That's in the Washington, Utah range. Yeah, yeah. So that's all right. That's how wild it is. Okay, let's go. Let's go. They got the uh, the ESPN feed. Let's let's get to it. The New Orleans Pelicans. New Orleans at fourteen. That's chalk. The thirteenth pick belongs to the Toronto Raptors. Thirteen. That's chalk. Yep. They have shocked out. They had a one percent chance. Playing hopscotch. Picking twelfth will be. The Oklahoma City Thunder. Chalk. No surprises yet. Pick still going this according to This is big for Chicago and Dallas right here. The 11th pick in the NBA draft will go to the Orlando Ooh. Magic. Now Orlando that comes from Chicago. From Chicago. This is due to the big for trade. Dallas because now the Mavs keep their pick no matter what pick happens. Pick number 10 will be made by the Dallas Mavericks. Remember, the Mavs tanked to get out of the play-in tournament. That's why they get to keep this pick. Due to the Kristaps Porzingis trade. The ninth pick goes to 
the Utah Jazz. We are all chalk so far. And the Mavs were smart, even though that was a gutless decision at the end of the season. The eighth pick will be made by the Washington Wizards. Chalk. Yep. So we're chalk. We are all chalk so far. It's seven left. The seventh pick in the NBA draft belongs to the Indiana Still Pacers. Still chalk. Chalk. All right. Dude. Yo. Pick number six goes what to. You don't want. The Orlando Magic. Chalk. Right. Everything going to chalk. the thus far. Only one envelope left. Chalkage. In the top four. Here we go. The fifth pick will be made by. The Detroit, Detroit had the Detroit finished wow. with the worst Detroit record in the NBA, the so they have fallen major. out of the top major. four. Major, and that means there so are Portland four jumps into remaining. the top four. So it's Portland, Damn, Charlotte, Roy. San Antonio, and the Rockets still remaining. Portland, Charlotte, San Antonio, and the Rockets. My goodness, so that's the main headline. The secondary headline, though, is that you have avoided the worst case scenario. Yes, yeah, that, but that, yes, the second worst case scenario is that you fall to four. Right. So here we go. We're we're uh, they're, they're taking a break right now. Uh, y'all's overall thoughts right now. Uh, they need to be in the top three. That's yes. that's really the bottom line for you, Spo. Right? Yeah, there is because it does drop off once you get past Henderson. Once you get past Wimbenyama, Henderson, and Miller, there's a pretty clear drop off when it comes to the rest. You know, the prospects after that are still good, but the floor is a little bit lower, and I think the ceiling for these guys is probably a little bit lower also. And for a team that's looking to compete next year, I think you want Miller or Henderson. I think they help you a lot. Wendem Yama obviously is probably a little bit more of a project, but the ceiling, there is no ceiling on yeah. the type of guy like that. Like if you think of teams in terms of like having a big three, and that's not to say that you have to have a big three, but if you think of it in terms of that, these are the three guys that you feel like could be a part of a big three, like kind of the all borderline all-star to perhaps a superstar level of talent. There aren't any other guys in the draft that you feel great. It's not to say that it can't happen, but it's not another guy in the draft that you feel that great about it being. And that's why the, the big thing to come of this or a big thing to come of this, obviously the big thing is that you still have a shot at Victor Wimanyama, but the other big thing is that a new worst case scenario has now been created. And and a different one, obviously, avoided. And remember, we can talk about all the you know picks and whatnot, or you know all the guys that they've drafted. You know, in, in the past, they also have the sixty million dollars in cap space too, which helps you really supplement that roster. So um, this so far is working out the way that they wanted it to work out. And uh, this is now three years in a row where it's been a coin toss for them to stay in the top four, and they've won that coin toss. So they picked second two years ago. They picked third last year. Now they're in the top four once again. Udoka's such a hardo, man. I mean, he looks <laughs> like he wants scared? to. He looks like he wants to. No, he looks like he wants to rip someone's dang head off. Oh man, but what is he? What do you? No, what I do love you admire him, him my guy. for? It's his That's intensity. Been my guy for months. That's my guy. That was the right guy to. Yeah, to no, hire. and you were 100 percent right love on that. that guy. Like, in ter- especially in terms of basketball reasons, like he is. He was the hottest head coach candidate that there was. I think y'all hit on this one in the loop earlier in the week. Like the fact that they landed him before the head coaching landscape really became what it is and what is what it's now become like that's a big deal so like you've already kind of fixed one problem or in some ways like found a different direction that you're trying to go in from a head coaching standpoint now here's from a player standpoint where you can change the direction yeah. of your team so yeah. let, let's let's just point out detroit obviously the biggest losers of this night they yep. they finished with the worst record last year they won't even get a top 4 pick big winners aside from the teams that are still alive dallas gets to keep their pick 
and then Orlando gets another lottery pick on top of the one that they that they had from themselves as they complete the Nick Vucevic trade. And you got the Rockets and Spurs sitting up there at the top. Uh, no strangers to having that top spot uh, and turning their franchises around quickly when they get that uh, that top spot. And uh, then this Charlotte could be another too. instance. <laughs> you have in there's there's the Damian Lillard stuff with Portland. You know, that obviously would change the trajectory of that franchise. Yeah. And then there's Charlotte, which just has absolutely nothing. And they could really use a nice injection of talent right here, especially when it looks like Michael Jordan's going to finally sell the team. Yeah. And well, that to me is an interesting thing because I wonder, does he still just went up? Do you want to but do you still want to sell the team with that guy uh, joining it? Like, do you maybe like I would I would maybe wait a few years after he kind of, you know, is what he is and. I think like, he's ready to cash out. I think he wants to cash out those chips. Probably so. He probably just wants to sit at the Atlantic Atlantic City but, casinos or whatever. But I, I can only imagine the feeling over at Toyota Center, um, what Ime Udoka is like on the stage right now, what Rafael Stone is like. Remember, Tillman Fertitta, he asked everybody to pray for Victor back in February. You know, I, I'm sure there's some prayers going on right now also with him. Yeah, pray but, for but, Victor. I mean, but think about it, y'all. You go through... Three years of losing, and if you're a Rockets fan, like, and you've kind of stayed through it, like you've been actually watching these games over the last three years. First of all, God bless you, because Adam Adam Spillane and I are here. We we've done it for work. I've a done lot. it in part for passion as well. But it's been a lot to endure. So imagine like being in the thick of it or being at the heart of it. If you're part of this Rockets organization, you've been a part of this losing, even if you contributed to it in some sort of in some sort of fashion, like. This changes Bro, everything. Is that a disposable Bro, camera? He's my man, got? Victor w- has a wind-up camera. Man, they must do it different over there in France. Technology my tends to—it right takes a little there. while for the technology to get there. But cameras, though, and especially at that age, what is he? Nineteen? I'm surprised. I respect that. Well, but I'm surprised he even knows what it is. I'm right, surprised he even knows what it is. Let's see Let's what we go got. Back. Let's see what we got. Thanks again, Malika. The fourth pick in the NBA draft goes to. The Houston oh, Rockets. God. All right. The third pick belongs to not the Spurs. The Portland oh, Trailblazers. No. <laughs> oh no! Say it ain't so. Please, the second no. pick will be made by please San Antonio. Please. The Charlotte oh my Hornets. God! And that means that the number one pick in the 2023 NBA wow. draft. Goes to the San Antonio Spurs. Well, Pop's going to stick around another 10 years now. Uh, Obviously, this is, it's not the worst outcome for the Rockets, but it's up there. Because not only now do you fall out of the top three, but maybe a generational prospect is now 180 miles away from you and he's in your division. Yeah. So this is not good. Yeah, you got to play him three, four times a year. And so, yeah, that's, that's major, man. Like the energy, like the... The air out of the room right now for me, man. Like, wow. Wow, man. The Spurs win again. Like, the graphic right now on ESPN, if you guys aren't watching, is, is showing how they get David Robinson in 1987, Tim Duncan in 1997, and now the direction of their franchise changes, as I was just saying. Whoever Victor Wimbayama would go to would change the direction of their franchise. That's now the San Antonio Spurs instead of the Houston Rockets. Very, very, uh, very much a, a gut punch for Rockets fans. Yeah, that's really the best way to put it. I mean, this is the guy that you've been waiting, you know, a generation for. It's, it's really a two-piece. Um, yeah. Landry, it's a two-piece combo, honestly. Yeah, it's because, beyond a two-piece combo. Well, no, it's a, at the very this, least. This is a number two water-sized. Well, it's at the very least a two-piece combo from this standpoint. 
you miss out on Vic and you're outside the top three. And now you've got a, dis- a discussion to have and we'll have it. Like the conversation now is what do you do with the yes. number four pick? Yes. Like do you pick at number four? Which I think is a fair conversation and discussion to have. Do you pick at number four or do you trade number four to package for a disgruntled star or a departing star, someone else who might be on the market, not just in free agency, but actually that's on a team that you might be interested in. Because one thing to remember and to keep in mind about their cap space and them having all of this money, they can also absorb salary because of it. So that's something that they would be interested in or could be interested in at the very least. And something I think would be an interesting debate amongst Rockets fans. Do you want whatever might be available to you? What we think is going to be outside that top three, what might be available to you at number four, or would you prefer to try to trade that pick? Or do you try and trade up? Obviously, you're not going to be able to trade up to one. And it would be it's hard to trade with Portland because if Portland were to trade three, they would want vets. They would want to be able to supplement the roster that they already have with Lillard, who's getting older. But what about Charlotte? Charlotte is a team with very it's LaMelo ball, and that is it. So if you're the Rockets, do you approach Charlotte and say, hey, we'll give you four, plus we have some other assets that we can give you, both draft assets that we have coming from Brooklyn from the Harden trade, or maybe some of our own draft picks moving forward, or maybe some of these young guys that we have as a way to move up for for them. Yeah, and then my question to that would be, is there a play, like, and we know the two players that we're talking about, right? We're talking about Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller, the ones that we mentioned earlier. Do you believe that either one of those players is worth doing that for? And, and I think that's an open question. I'm I'm actually not really sure. I like both of them, but I don't know how much I, how desperate I would be to trade up for them as opposed to trying to trade the pick away to go get a proven star. Especially since you missed out on Victor Wembanyama, like you missed out on the prize of this draft. So I, I'm not sure if it's worth it to try to go get the second best guy when he's in no way. In, in any shape or form com- in comparison to what the prize actually was here. Well, let's take a look at the guys who are in that next tier. You're talking about the Thompson twins, Amen Thompson, Asur Thompson. They both played for the overtime elites. Um, and, you know, uh, and, and, uh, also in, in where, where, was, where is that at? It, it's the in overtime America. Elites. Yeah. But yeah. where are they, where are they, where are they from? That's a good question. Um, but either way, they're, either way, yeah, they're, they're, I, I didn't know where they're from. I, the, the point about them though is that is, and especially Amin, the the I guess the two time MVP. Yeah, there's he, one that's a two time MVP, and there's they're from one that's first team. Okay, Florida. Yeah, they're from South Florida. Yeah, but he's somebody that could fulfill that point guard role that I was talking about. Like earlier when I mentioned, hey, is there a player in this draft that maybe answers your point guard question to maybe you, where it, like let's say that you don't even get a chance at James Harden. There's there's, there's also that possibility that we haven't discussed. As much smoke as there is around James Harden coming back. He also could go back to Philly. He could go elsewhere. Like, there are other possibilities with James Harden. So what if that actually just doesn't happen? Would you be interested in one of these other prospects as a potential point guard for you, either the Thompson twin that I mentioned? Jarris Walker is an interesting guy. He would fill a need for them as a defensive presence, especially uh, at the five position. That's something that they've really been lacking. So now there are are a lot more possibilities on what, what they could do with this pick than there would have been had they gotten one or had they stayed in the top three. Had they stayed in the top three, they're going to use the pick. But now that they fall out of the top three, now there are a whole lot of other possibilities that we can talk about. Yeah, and I, and I was wondering, like, if, if you had a top three pick, you could probably make a case that th- two years from now you're getting your best player. Is that, I mean, is that a possibility? Is it, is it still possible in the top four? Like, how much of a drop-off was there? I Yeah, I, I don't see anybody they're, they're, outside the top three being better yeah, than the guys they're, that they're, you have on your team. Those, no. those guys are so raw, and we have not, you know, like, 
the Thompson Twins are, are so raw, and we have not seen them play real competition. I mean, they're they're playing you know overtime elite. I, I I have not seen one of their games. Jarris Walker is a nice prospect, but I don't see him being better than one of the guys that you already have on the roster. I don't see him being the best player on a championship team. I don't I don't think that's there. I don't know if he would even be the type of guy who would be the second best player on a championship team. Whereas the top three in this draft, I think you could say they had the chance to be the best player on a championship team or at worst, the second best player on a championship team. Yeah, see, Jarris Walker, and we can talk about him since he is a U of H guy and he'd be a one-and-done guy. Like, he's somebody who could be an effective player in the NBA for like a decade plus and just you look up and he's just on teams. Like, he's always got a job and he's always effective. He's doing things that, you know, affect winning. Like, he is that type of player. But I view him as more like in the like y'all know Robert Williams from from the Boston Celtics. Like I view him as kind of in that vein. Like just really more so of a, a defensive player who's not going to give you a ton offensively. Maybe a little bit more it's than a great that. Great lob threat. A, a really good lob threat. A good athlete, but not somebody that's going to really change the direction of your franchise if you don't already have that type of guy to begin with. Like you you need a Jason Tatum type of player for him to be what he needs to be or what you need him to be. Brandon Scott, Adam Spillane, uh, Landry Locker here. The uh, lottery special. The lottery is complete. One of the one of the nightmare scenarios. We talked about it before Man. the start. Uh, Rockets fall out of the top three, and the San Antonio Spurs get the top pick. Uh, let's take a little bit of a break. I, I want to ask these guys a question. Uh, there was one thing. If you talk to a lot of people who cover the NBA, you talk to a lot of people that know the Rockets very well, there was one thing that the Rockets needed more than anything. There were different ways to get it, but there was one thing they needed more than anything. Are they now in serious jeopardy of failing to get it? The Lottery Special continues next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports Radio 610 presents the 2023 Rockets Draft Lottery Show. Here's Landry Locker, Brandon Scott, and Adams Bolay. Man, kick to the junk. Rockets fall out of the top three. San Antonio Spurs got the number one pick. Man, I cannot believe this. <laughs> so I cannot believe this is happening. Who knows where you go from here? I think... I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, but I want to ask you guys this because I've I've heard a lot of people say this. I think it's appropriate. The number one thing that the Rockets needed this offseason, I think you've said it to me, Spo, was relevance. They needed to be a relevant team. You get that with James Harden. You get that with landing a generational prospect. You don't necessarily get that when you have the number four pick. Are the Rockets... Now fighting an uphill battle when it comes to being a relevant team. I mean, in a sense, just because they've been awful for the last three years. So another way that you gain relevance is if you develop the guys that you have on your roster and you start winning basketball games. And there is talent on the roster. Like, Let's not get that wrong. As much as today is, is rough for them, they do have a foundation of guys that you feel like they can build you into something. And 
So if they want to be relevant, then those guys need to continue to get better. And then those guys can grow together and they can win some games together and make the playoffs together. And that's how you become relevant because the problem that this group has had, they've played more summer league games on ESPN the last two years than they've played ESPN. They've played one game on ESPN during the regular season the last two years. I mean, nobody's watching their games. It, it's been, they have basically been a forgotten franchise since the day that they traded James Harden. So um, relevance is nice, but you gain that by winning games. I would say it's an uphill battle if you compare it to what today's potential was. Yes. Like what the opportunity was that was in front of you. It, it definitely is if you compare it to that. Now, everything that Adam just said is true. Like you do still have some talented players that we have to remember are really, really young. Like you don't really have enough of a body of work from any of them to to make a definitive statement about what they are, what they can be. Like you can say, hey, they're not going to be a generational talent per se, but we don't really know what their ceiling is yet. Like, they're just too young and haven't played enough basketball. So, what do you think the ceiling, like, if you had to guess? It, it, yeah, of course it's too early, but what do you think that, like, the ceiling of, and, and like, the caliber of player that your core guys are? Like, what, yeah, what are yeah, we No, about? like, if I'm projecting, like, do I think, do I think that Jalen Green could one day be as good as Devin Booker? Yeah, I think that's I do think that that's possible. Is does he look like he's anywhere near as good as Devin Booker now? Absolutely not, because he's not as efficient of, of a player. But he's got the athleticism. He's got the scoring ability. He needs to fix his jump shot. His jump shot is like very inconsistent and broken. And sometimes his shot selection isn't really there. But I saw some improvements in this game that made me think, yeah, he could be a front line guy. I just don't really know for sure. He hasn't played enough for me to know for sure. And more than anything, when you talk about relevance, they haven't played any relevant games, and that's where they're trying to get to. That's what we've been trying to trying to really hammer home on the podcast, especially. It's like they need to play in more significant games, whether that's in the play-in tournament or whether they are good enough to be even better than that, a six seed or something like that. Like They actually need to be able to play in relevant basketball games, and then I feel like I have a better sense for what they are once they're playing more meaningful games. And they started last year 2-12. and 12. The year before, they started the year 1-16. and 16. So their seasons have basically been over before Thanksgiving. That's where you're just, if you want to know how you don't develop players, it's to make their season completely irrelevant by the time you get to Thanksgiving. So that's really the goal now that as we get to next year is, hey, we need to get off to a, a better start so that we are playing games that matter into the winter and into the spring. And here's the other problem that they have now. They don't have their first round pick next year. It's only protected for the top four. So they could lose every single game next year, and it's a coin toss that they would even get to keep the pick. 2025, Oklahoma City has a pick swap with them, and I believe it's only protected for the number one pick. So Oklahoma City, and then the the, the pick goes to Oklahoma City. It's only top four protected in 2026. So why this summer is so important for them is that Oklahoma City basically controls their draft for the next three years after yeah, this one. Yeah, it, it's different on how they got there, but it's a very, very similar situation to what the Texans are in, where it's like, hey, I know you've been in this rebuild for the past three years and you've been bad for the past three years, but you kind of have to be good now because of where your draft positioning is next year. Like you, you, the Texans chose just recently to, to trade away their first round picnic, their own first round pick next year, yeah. which means being bad. They will not be rewarded for being bad if they are bad next year. Yeah. Similar situation here with the Rockets where the way Adam just described they at least it had me. an extra though. No, exactly. But they don't control their own destiny that they now need another team to be bad in order yeah. to get it. So it's very similar in that sense. And you're going to be scrutinized for that if you are bad. So the Rockets are in a similar situation now to where they have to make that progress as a franchise and as an organization. They cannot be in this lottery again next year. They just simply can't for you to have like a 
any kind of positive evaluation of what they got going on. They can't be in the lottery. Well, they they, they no. can't be in the bottom five again next year. Okay, they, they yeah. can't that, be. That, they can't be in a it. position where they could lose the fifth pick in the draft because of a trade that they made five years prior. Because this, these are the bills on the Chris Paul trade, the Chris Paul Russell Westbrook trade that are about to come due. Right. You know, they got lucky in twenty twenty one. That was the. <laughs> That's hey, that's that's the last present they got basically from James Harden and Daryl Morey was was that trade, and you know they got lucky in twenty twenty one that that pick swap didn't kick in because it was fifty fifty that they would get to keep the pick that became Jalen Green. It was fifty two percent that they would keep it, forty eight percent that they wouldn't, and they were able to keep it. That kind of got this rebuild started. Just imagine if that had gone the other way and they lose that pick, and instead of picking second in twenty twenty one, they're picking eighteenth. You know this this whole thing looks a whole lot more bleak than it does right now. But you know that, that we're gonna look back on that on that Chris Paul Russell Westbrook trade and be like, man, that was a that's as bad as it gets oh, right there. Oh, yeah, we don't have to look back too far. Yeah. We can we can say it now but, and acknowledge. But, but when we talk about free agency and, and what they're looking to do, they can't afford to sit back and wait for the next draft prospect because that could end up in disaster. So that's why they're they're they've been talking about having sixty million in cap. They've been talking about this now for months. They're going to have all this cap space. They are going to use every dime. Now, here's a question I have is, uh, with the with the three teams ahead of them. So obviously, Victor's going one. Yes. Duh. Uh, number two, Charlotte. They got an interesting situation because they're kind of like at a at a weird spot with Lamelo Ball. Um, and I where, didn't think about that. Uh, Lamelo Ball. What are they going to do with him? Do they do they go? Um, do they go with Miller, or do they go with Scoot and maybe trade Lamelo Ball? And if you're the Rockets, would you be interested in perhaps making a trade to bring in Lamelo Ball? You know what's interesting about that? We haven't we haven't talked about the Brandon Miller issues because there is some off court stuff where. He, I guess police say that he supplied the gun that was used in a murder this past year in Alabama. The Hornets have been dealing with... it was the guy's... He was giving the guy back his gun, right? Again, he supplied a gun that was used in a murder. You said it more responsibly than a lot of people I've heard talk about. I don't don't know the best way to do it, but... Now, that was the best way to do it. But that's that's out there, and that's going to be something that gets talked about. And the problem that Charlotte has... Charlotte's been dealing with this Miles Bridges thing all year. And, and Miles Bridges was essentially suspended. He is He's not under contract with them, but he was a restricted free agent that they basically could do nothing with because he had a domestic violence arrest. And he is going to be suspended, assuming he gets signed by a team, for I think the first 10 games maybe of, of next year. And so Charlotte's kind of dealing with that public relations disaster. Do they want to have... So they could take Scoot. And then they could trade LaMelo or, to Houston. Or you keep LaMelo and you look to trade two and see what you can get to where maybe you're able to add a more talent to the roster because um, you know LaMelo Ball is really good and he's a marketable player for them. And also, he's you know he would be a restricted free agent. So it's not like he can really go anywhere. He doesn't really have full control over his situation. So that becomes interesting. But then also, there's a trade situation with Portland at three. I feel like Portland would take the next best guy of that group but they could probably get a ton for that pick, understanding that Damian Lillard is now in his early 30s, coming off of a very good year when he was healthy last year, and maybe they try to 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 make one last run at things with Lillard on the roster, and they look to move that third pick in order to add another veteran. Yeah, and, and it seems to me like starting off with Charlotte, it makes a lot more sense to me for them to trade that pick because I, I, I'm not sure that either one of those players that they might be interested in 
it gives you more of an upside than LaMelo Ball, per se, and it's been particularly Scoot Henderson. Like, I, I feel like they're some, somewhat of a similar trajectory, not similar type of player, but in terms of caliber player that we're talking about, I'm not sure that you're, like, necessarily upgrading with Scoot Henderson. I would say you're, that the likelihood is that you're actually not because LaMelo Ball has actually worked out as an NBA player. But you're player. not having to pay LaMelo. Yes, you know? you're, you're basically getting— You're resetting the clock. Yes, I do exactly. get that. I do get that point of it, but I feel like— and maybe this is the question for them to ask themselves. Like, could you possibly? Do you think you'd probably get more for Lamelo Ball? Like, may, like what is worth it to you more? Like, well, let you, me let me throw out an offer for you. Uh, the fourth pick for Lamelo Ball. The fourth pick for Lamelo for the, yeah for yeah, the for the Rockets for the Rockets. Yeah, yeah, Rockets. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, not even a question. Let's see. Yeah, no, there's yeah, not a Jabari the, in there if the, you want him. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Right, we're not going to let – tell you what. I tell you what we're shooter. not going to do. We're not going to let Landry know we're near the negotiating table because he's going to give away everybody that he doesn't like <laughs> just because he doesn't like throw in Jalen Green, why don't you? Nah, Jalen's got – man. No, no, no. Jalen's what are you doing? Jalen's got to run with LaMelo. That's some running gum right there. That's work. That's open That's open court work right there. That is that is beautiful right there. LaMelo and Jalen Green running the floor. He obviously, give me that. obviously is a star and would solve the point guard issue. And would help you with shooting. I know he's like, you know, he's a better shooter than I think people realize. Yeah, because and that's probably because he takes a lot of those wacky shots. He's been he's been able to just like you know take whatever shot he wants since he was you know probably in the eighth grade. So like because he's been that good. So like he he doesn't take great shots, but he is a good shooter, like a like a really good shooter. And the Rockets don't have great playmaking. Shot making or again basketball intelligence. Well, they they have one guy who can create shots for other. Well, they have two because Shangun can do it. Yeah, he doesn't necessarily yeah. create the type of shots that you want though. Whereas Lamelo Ball is a guy who can you know get your drive and kick game going a little bit, which was something that they severely lacked when Kevin Porter Jr. was off the floor. So it, it's a very it's it becomes very you know if they wind up in the top three tonight, their offseason I think is pretty easy, but because they don't. Now, all of a sudden, I think their offseason is really, there's a lot of uncertainty with what they're going to do, aside from the James Harden thing. Because to be honest with you, I think they're going for, I think they are going to at least make a big run to sign James Harden. And I think it's an easy decision for them now. So now it's about filling the other spots on the roster. Yeah, it's a way more interesting discussion that they have to have now on what exactly to do with that number four pick. Do you draft at all? If so, who? You know, like it's a a bunch of different sort of layered questions that you got to ask with that pick. And how it kind of factors into your overall team building, especially now, like Adam said, it's you're much more likely to go after James Harden now, especially since you get that number two pick either, right? You didn't have that. You didn't have that dilemma of, okay, am I going to draft the point guard that has superstar potential and bypass the opportunity to go get that guy in free agency and James Harden? Like you're definitely doing that. How does the number four pick? play into that to into all of that it's a, it, it is a fascinating discussion to have at this point so just a random question like are we going to hear from anyone out there like Adoka or stone or anything uh it doesn't sound like it okay so we're not yeah, gonna it's hear crickets. from it's, it's crickets yeah. out and there I'm, I'm sure that would have been the case if they'd gotten number one so <laughs> yeah no I, I i would imagine that somebody that there is a bottle somewhere and that they are it is not a celebratory type they are drinking uh tears <laughs> drowning tears of sorrow these days Especially, they, it was such, oh man, I can't imagine what it would have been like over at Toyota Center because they, they were so hopeful. Once once you once you get in the top four and you have that long commercial break on ESPN, you're all excited. Oh, yeah, like, you're this, this is it because, as we talked about, you just wanted to stay in the top three. Like, yeah. obviously, you're elated if you get one, but you just want to stay in the top three. And when you see four come up, oh, that's got to be well, a gut punch. Here's the other thing. Like, normally, 
like the NFL does a good job of massaging stuff, and sometimes the NBA does. They don't waste much time on this lottery. They got a playoff game to get to. I mean, they didn't even sue. It was just, hey, commercial break. Boom! Screw you guys. Four. Yeah. Oh yeah. We had. To oh, get, look yeah. up. San Antonio, yeah. you, you look down in disappointment. You look up. San Antonio's got one. There was no build up there. Oh yeah, but no. I mean, we got to get to the meat of the matter here. I mean, this Denver Lakers series is actually like appointment television, and it's a it's for a separate market. But like, yeah, I don't I don't blame them for that. But I mean, for the for the Rockets though, like there were two things for me on this. Not only if you fall out of the top three, but the, another kind of like storyline was who gets the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Is it the scenario we were pointing out when we first opened up, is it somebody that jumps? Is it somebody that had, like, low odds? Remember I talked about 2019 with the Pelicans getting Zion Williamson? Is it somebody like that? Or is it a team that had the exact same odds as you did? And that's what it is. It not only was it a team with the exact same odds as you had, but it's the team that you're going to have to face the most out of the two teams that had the exact same odds that you did at San Antonio. Like, and the from, team from that's that closest, standpoint. And the team that's closest in proximity to you also. Yes, yes, exactly. And so from that mm-hmm. standpoint, it is absolutely a nut punch, gut punch, all of that. You know, you know what's funny? I, I don't know if this is actually true, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it anyways. I brought up the coin toss. Story the, of my life. I brought up the coin toss <laughs> that the Rockets had with the Spurs. Uh, which kept them, which that's why the Rockets could only fall because the Rockets and Spurs finished with the same record. But you had to toss, you had to do a coin flip to see who could far the furthest. And it basically helps decide the, the lottery order. I think if the Rockets lose that coin toss, all of their combinations would have been what the Spurs combinations actually turned out to be. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, no, so, yeah. So the Spurs had the number three team combinations because they lose that coin toss with the Rockets. So the Rockets, I guess, have the, the, two, in essence, the two combinations. In essence, what Adam is saying is that they were lucky twice. Yes. And it is better to be lucky in, than good when L- you're talking losing, about the losing NBA the draft coin toss, Losing the coin toss turned out to help the Spurs, I believe. And it's it's why they... Why are you making this worse, Adam? Pick. What? Why are you making this worse, man? No, this out. is the reality. Yeah, it, I'm just he, it out. he can't make it work. I don't you know, want reality. You know what's worse than what he's talking about? I can't handle the not truth. getting Victor Wimbanyama. That is the worst. Or of the Brandon worst. Miller or Scoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Keep of going. That. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it. You get the fourth pick. You know, you get you get somebody not named any of those guys. And they've surprise. Won, they've won 59 games the last three years. Dude, this is this is not it. This is not it. I'm fascinated to see what they do. Because they do, like I said, have interesting decisions to make. And but free, this free is not agency, it. Free agency now becomes huge for them. And getting creative and looking around the league at depressed assets. And there are going to be great players. I, I think a, a lot of people around the league think there are going to be some star players that look for new situations. Whether it's, you know, there's been some Giannis buzz. That maybe he is tired of the situation oh, in Milwaukee. That, is that, that's, are, we, are we team Photoshop now? Hey, well, you know what? Win the Luka Rockets Photoshop. Hell, let's, oh, I've got all the Photoshop. If the Rockets wouldn't have fired Silas, Luka might have demanded it. <laughs> have you not seen all of the Victor Wimbanyama Photoshops that no longer are relevant yeah, but anymore? Now, but now we're They've going, been doing, we've been doing this for months now. I'm, now it's just, it just changes the picture. Now the we're face on the picture. Looking at Greek Freak. We're looking at Luka. Who else we need to look at? Yeah, let's look at everybody. Let's look at let's look at K. K. Did you, y'all saw Dwight Howard asking for all of the underperforming NBA players to come join him out in China? Everybody on his list. I'm well, looking at. You have Carl Anthony Towns out there. He could get moved. Oh the my. Knicks have some guys that could wind up getting moved. I don't think that's the direction that you want to go in. Chris just asked about Jalen Brown. Him and Udoka have a good relationship. Um, that would actually be a good. The he, good he's, call. he's the most obvious one, the, right? The, the problem with the Jalen Brown stuff is that you can't really offer him an extension. 
because you are you are capped by what you can offer him. And so, you know, for that because you can't offer him the supermax because it's it's you would have to only the Celtics can offer him the supermax. So that's that's the issue that you run into there. And that's why free agency I think it's tough for them because they could wait. They could, you know, they don't have to, you know, there's an expiration date on their cap space, but it's not this summer, it's next summer. Next summer is when they have to spend the cap space. So if they wanted to, they could just sit on the cap space this summer, roll it into next summer, and really make a run at Jalen Brown. The problem with that is that it's not going to help them win games this year. That helps Oklahoma City with with their with right. uh, taking the Rockets draft pick. And then there's no guarantee that Jalen Brown would even come to the Rockets yeah. because, first of all, Boston can offer him the Supermax. So that would have to, he'd have to turn down a, a, an awful lot of money to join the Rockets in free agency if that were the case. Plus, let's be honest, a lot of that was like if Boston had a disappointing exit, they're still playing. So that, that doesn't always matter, though. Right now. Sometimes it does. I mean, Kawhi Leonard left Toronto after after, after winning a championship. Winning a like, that, that does that He's sort weird, of stuff though. does. You can't. Well, yeah, he is He's, weird. He's a weird guy. Though. Yeah, but you, and it's not like Jalen Brown has been like effusive in his praise of the situation in Boston because they have not treated him real well yeah. over the last few years. They've put him in every single trade rumor that, that there is. And they haven't even, they went to the finals and he was still being rumored in Kevin Durant trade. So yeah, that uh, is gone. I think he thought he probably was too. So, but it, you're taking a big risk. If a, you trade for him or B you hold on to your cap space thinking that you might have an opportunity to get him. Yeah. yeah. And, and really the, the issue too, in free agency was awkward about the James Harden thing is that after him, the top free agents don't really do a lot for you. Like, it's not like it's a guy that you're— It's not you're, a great class. It's not a great free agent class. Jalen Brown would be the best one out of anybody if he was one. So, like, you start to think about, hey, would it be better to wait until next year and, and make your big splash then? Rockets drafting four, Spurs drafting one. Let's, let's do a little role play coming up. These guys, they know this uh, Rockets organization better than most. I want to go inside the mind— of the most prominent figures in this organization, as well as some that have left. Next. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill, FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Let's just like play a little role play here with the uh, with the Rockets. They got the number four pick. San Antonio got the number one pick. Let's just go inside the mind of some of the prominent figures that are still in the building and that have left. Let's start with Tillman Fertitta. What's going through the mind of Tillman Fertitta right now? What is he doing right now? Drinking. Yeah, I I wonder if he still has his faith. Is he is he still a praying man after he spent all of these months praying for Victor? It, so so I, I I just wonder if he still prays. It, it, that was I don't want to say it was a bad look, but that interview was not a great look well, that he gave. Well, obviously, where you're like saying thank God we have 10, 10 days off and pray for Victor like that. That didn't go. Kind of felt like my spirit animal. Honestly, <laughs> that that did not go over well with people. I think in that building that he did that, and obviously, that's not it's not great. And it's almost like the lottery gods saw that and said, "You know what? You can pray for him now, but you're not getting him." So I, I think this is, 
and they've kind of put all their eggs in the 2023 basket when it came to that draft. And I think everybody knew it was going to be a good draft, especially at the top. And to come out of this with nothing, I think that has to be a big disappointment for him. All right, so what about Rafael Stone? What's going on in his mind? Well, could I say first, though, just since we were on Partita, I hope that one thing that's going in his head is that he's given a real close look at everybody that's running this operation. That includes Rafael Stone, obviously. Like, if they – here's why I make that point. If they had drafted Victor Wimbanyama, I don't know how much it would have mattered who was the GM of this team, to be quite honest with you. Like, I could have done that. 100%. Yeah. 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 You, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, so, yeah, no doubt. So, so the spotlight on Rafael Stone, I know that you're about to ask what we think he's thinking, but I hope that now Tillman Fertitta is thinking a lot more closer and heavier on Rafael Stone than he would have had to had he been able to draft Victor Wimbanyama. It's like it's like if you like let's say you're getting a loan or something and you and you keep telling people, "Oh, I'm about to get uh, you know, uh or or you're trying you're trying to apply for a loan and it's oh, I'm about to get $500,000 wired to my account and then eventually the wire doesn't come through." That's kind of how Rafael Stone is right now. Like he he's applying to keep running this thing and and you you've got it you You've got to reevaluate the situation, right? Yeah, no, hundred percent. He's got he's got work to do now. Like he has to actually make decisions that are difficult, mm-hmm. that are not like black and white. There's a lot of gray area, and there's a possi- There's even the possibility that he could make the right decisions and that they don't even work. Yeah. That you know happens what I mean? a lot. That, that happens, happens a lot. lot. Yeah. So he's running into that as well. Like, but I mean, you've got to weigh that. I, I feel like you've absolutely got to weigh that. Weigh what he's done so far, along with what the task is in front of him. And, you know, I, I asked Tillman Fertitta this very question. I, I just because he he was kind of a surprise late last minute addition to the Udoka press conference a few weeks ago. And he you know, he talked about how he was happy with the job that Rafael Stone had done, especially when it came to uh, accumulating talent. And I think that he was happy with the results that they had in the draft. I think that as an organization, they've been happy with what they've seen from Jabari Smith Jr. They've been happy with what they've seen from Jalen Green. Um, I think that obviously they have been, um, I think that they have gotten more out of Alper and Shingun than they thought that they, that they might, that they might. So I think that they have been happy overall with the accumulation of talent. And then I asked um, Tillman Fertitta to evaluate the other stuff that Rafael Stone has done. And he was pretty effusive in his praise. And they had a clear goal once they decided to rebuild, and that was, A, accumulate talent, which they've done. Now we'll have to wait and see if those picks actually work out. And the second goal was to clear the cap, and they've done a good job of that. So basically the last couple of years have been about getting as much talent on the roster as we can and then clearing our cap space, and then we build the roster from there. Now what Rafael Stone has done so far, that's the easy part of the job. The easy part of the job is to trade guys, get draft picks, make those draft picks, and clear your cap space. The hard part of the job is now getting that group to to mesh into a basketball team that actually wins games. Yeah, which they desperately need to be like now, like starting now. So now, that and that's why I say that about Tillman Fertitta's what what is he thinking? I I hope at least this is what he's thinking. In addition to being really really sad, so we have a pretty good idea of what Stone's thinking too, based on what you guys said. I think we've covered uh, that ground. What about Ime Adoka, man? Ooh, I mean that's a good one. When, actually, when they laid out the appeal of this job, they were talking about potentially getting wimby and then i think i'm assuming you were thinking okay well if we don't get wimby maybe we get scoot if we don't get scoot maybe we get brandon miller now ima adoka took this job not only did that not happen 
one of your rivals got the generational guy. The Suns job opened up. Yep. The Bucks job opened up. The Raptors job opened up, although it was open a, a, a little bit before he took the gig. Man, he's got to be sitting there thinking, and I know he's a hard-o, so he's probably already in coach mode. He's got to be thinking, man, if I would have just waited two more weeks. Can I throw out a, an irresponsible possibility? Okay. Absolutely. At who, 8 o'clock. Who has spent a lot of time in San Antonio over the years? Ime Udoka? Yeah, he's a, he, is a, he <laughs> what, comes what from if, the pop tree. What, what if Pop all of a sudden decides to one day step down? Who could be? Who could wind up being his replacement? Because I think a lot of people thought it was going to be Quinn Snyder, and then Quinn, Quinn took the job in Atlanta. Now, that's... Now that's just kind of throwing something yeah. out there that's totally yeah. ill-informed. It's and, all good. Yeah, but I I think for Udoka, I don't think that he has any second thoughts over taking the Rockets job. You and, don't, and, and you can throw. You don't out, think he saw that Suns job or that Bucks job? But open you know up what? Say damn. But you can also argue that those jobs are sinking ships at this point because you have a Phoenix team whose best player is Kevin Durant, and he's 34, 35 years old, and you have Booker, but then you're saddled by the Paul contract, and it's really hard for them, and then you have to deal with whatever's going on with DeAndre Ayton, and then you've got to figure out how to get that team better when they traded all their draft capital in order to get Durant. So if I'm if I'm Udoka, I, that's not really a job that I want. Um, on the same side with Philly, you have um, Embiid, who is getting older and has trouble holding up for an entire season, and you have Harden, who's a free agent, and it's hard for them to improve their roster a whole lot because they gave up a bunch of picks to get Harden. So with those two teams having lost in the second round, can anybody get them to the next round after that? We've already seen it with Philly where the, the Sixers haven't been able to get past the second round. Phoenix now is going backwards, and it's really hard for them to to really improve their team. So if I'm Udoka, I have a I have a job with the Rockets where there's no pressure at all. Like, there really isn't. I They've won 20 games two years ago. They won 22 games last year. It's really hard to get worse from that. You know, you can only get better from that point so I, I think that he comes into this where you know he's he's starting he, he gets a young group starting from scratch and he can kind of build that group into the way that he wants to build them that's a coach's dream to me yeah and I don't necessarily look at it as he wishes he got one of these other jobs that opened up but I do feel like he's one of the main guys that feels the the effects of that two-piece combo because it went from the possibility obviously of him coaching Victor Wimbanyama to now they have some hard decisions to make. So, like, I feel like if there's anybody, like we talk about the fan base, we talk about anybody that actually feels the the ramifications of the two-piece combo, I do think that it's M.A. Udoka and that you can fairly say that this job, obviously, because you didn't get Victor, does not look as good as it did the day that he took it. I think that, that it's fair to say that, but you could also say that it doesn't mean that he necessarily does not want it on top of that. Rockets get the fourth pick. Spurs get the first pick if you're just tuning in. Landry Locker, Brandon Scott, Adam Spillane. Man, Wimby's got a perfect tour guide too, man. Oh yeah, you he's saw that. Tony Parker's got him set up straight, man. Got he got his fellow Frenchman. He's gonna, gonna just let him know, let him know how to live, man. Yo, I he's wish got we, all the advice. It he's I, got all the advice. Now I wish we had that. Like it's it's funny because Tony Parker was here for the Final Four because uh, they were you know being announced for the Hall of Fame, and Christy Reekin from the Associated Press actually asked Tony Parker about yeah. Victor Wimbyama, and not just because you know, the possibility of him going to the Spurs, but more so because of the French connection, you know, obviously. And now <laughs> now he's actually going to the team that, that he played oh, for. I got a decent fan base already. Yeah, I would imagine so. Imagine the Spurs got some fans there. So 
Um, I would. I'm not going to say good for him. I saw John McClain tweet out, "Good for Pop. I'm happy for Pop. Stick it, John." Yeah, no. I'm, the hell is wrong with I'm you? I'm good on that. You pissed me off enough today, John McClain said that today, but now I'm happy for Pop. Pop but, these nuts. So I have a theory on McClain. Come on. <laughs> Pop these nuts. That's a that that is a clip that absolutely clip that Chris Santiago. But my theory on McClain with this is that he's from Waco, right? McClain is from Central Texas. So he's got like this odd, hey, everything from Texas is good kind of vibe to him. Because nah. like he like roots for everything. Into, like he, he was on the air with you guys talking about gig him and sick him and, and, and hook him and everything. Nah. Like he has no, like obviously he's a Baylor guy, but he has no Texas allegiances. Like anything with Texas on it, he's going to try to rep it. But I, I'm not here for that. Not, not today. Come Sorry, on. John. I love you, John. Come on, man. But I ain't here for that. All right, final role play. We've gone through the mind of Tillman Fertitta. We've gone through the mind of Raphael Stone. We've gone through the mind of M.A. Adoka. Steven Silas. What is Steven Silas thinking today? I think Steven Silas is probably not disappointed that's, <laughs> that the Rockets lost out on this because he he took them through the really bad part of the rebuild, and he obviously isn't going to get to see the other side of it, and it's not like his replacement is going to get to coach a generational star. So I think that... Steven Silas probably sitting, he's been in Boston, he might be in Charlotte right now. I think he's probably in a pretty good mood. I think he's probably, I would imagine that Steven Silas has a line on Greg Popovich. And maybe he's calling him to go see yeah. if he can coach, if, if he needs an assistant coach. Would he like an extra set of hands and brains on the he, bench? He's already been working with the Celtics. He was in Boston during, oh, was the, he? He was in Boston during the first round. Because, I mean, the Celtics bench is, is very thin because... You know, obviously they lost Yudoka right before the season, and then Damon Stoudemire left uh, during the season to go take the Georgia Tech job. So that that bench is incredibly short. I think most people think that Silas is going to wind up as Joe Mazzulla's top assistant. Yeah, he's been a good assistant coach in the past. He might be he's best gonna suited. Chance to, he's going to get another chance to be a head coach. And, and, but, but, he's going to get a what? He's going to get another chance to be a head coach. Yeah, he, and, but he might be best suited to be an assistant coach. I'd be trying to go over there to San Antonio and coach my, my boy Victor Wembanyama and look at the Houston Rockets three or four times a year and say, what's up? How how, you, how does it feel? How does it feel? That's how I would feel if I were him. Obviously, well, I'm crushed. I mean, in the, in the perfect path, I'm sure the Rockets wanted Steven Silas to be the scapegoat. Whether they it's did. fair or not. Yeah, I mean, whether, <laughs> it's, whether it's fair or not. They should accomplish there. Yeah, I mean, they, they wanted Steven Silas to be looked at. They wanted us to look back and say, Steven Silas is an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's over his head. He's gutless, all that type of stuff that they wanted they wanted you to think. And we know what we're doing, and we had this master plan. The The thing that kind of bothered me about um, the the way in which the Rockets got here is it, it's okay to, to get lucky. Like, it's 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 okay to get lucky. It felt like when I was listening to Stone, and, I, and I've heard a lot of people that kind of put out the Stone message, it's almost like they were they they acted like they took the men in black laser and like put it in front of my face and made me forget everything and basically told me that they were telling me trust the process for the last two years like they weren't trying to win basketball games like there was like some sort of tank to where if today they would have gotten Victor that it would have been like see worked out perfect phase on to what did what did Stone say no phase two yeah here's phase two yeah um I. I had no problem with the result working out because I because sometimes you luck into stuff like sometimes you well, luck that's what into the lottery stuff. is the lottery is you're lucking into something but this was not like some sort of plan like they wanted to win more games than this like they they did not want to tank this year 
Um, but I mean, but at yeah, a certain I, point, they accepted it. I think they they went into this. They went into last season understanding that they weren't going to win games. Be, and I heard twenty five thirty was the goal. Twenty five. I was told they thought twenty five would be a miracle. That, uh, yeah, I was told twenty five thirty. Yeah, but and, I mean, you talk. You, you're closer to it than me. But it, but that was kind of how they handled the off season, where all they did was add draft picks. They did not add any sort of veteran free agent to the mix. And so they went into last season with a very thin roster. They went into the season with only one point guard. You know, they were basically were trying out guys at point guard where they was going to be Kevin Porter Jr. was going to be the starter. And then Dacian Nix was going to get an opportunity to be the backup point guard. And Dacian Nix failed pretty spectacularly. Yeah. So and then so you had that. Um, they they did not look to add another point guard to the roster at any other point. So they're trying Jay Sean Tate at point. I mean, they, the point guard's uh, position for them was a mess, especially once Kevin Porter Jr. got hurt. And they didn't really do anything to supplement that. So you knew that they weren't serious about winning games by the way they handled the previous offseason. You know, two offseasons ago, they at least signed Daniel Tice. You know, they at least looked to bring somebody in from the outside. They didn't do that at all last summer. Yeah, but see, but that's also, like, I, I would go back to the point... I, I was much more fixated on them getting a player because they had that opportunity on getting a player that made it matter a lot less who the general manager was or is. Mm-hmm. Now we're in a different space now. Now it absolutely well, now 100%. he's got to now he's got to do his job. Yeah, exactly. Now the job is earlier. a lot harder now than it what than it would have been when they when ESPN went to commercial. One hundred percent, and that's kind of my point. Like, and that's why for me, the whole idea of getting Victor, like I didn't. I didn't think much about Rafael Stone because to me now that means you've got a player that's going to survive head coaches and general managers for as long as he's like not disgruntled and trying to force his way out. Like as long as he wants to be here, he is going to like he's going to be here. So like for me, Rafael Stone going into this lottery was almost an ancillary story or like a secondary story. Now he's a, he's a much bigger story because he's got to do his job and it matters a lot more. Well, let's sit him to the side. They probably should do that well, more. Well, you often. know what? Let's. I kind of want to evaluate though what he's done. Let's evaluate what he's done and then let's sit him to the side and let's play GM and solve the problems. We are going to give a path towards a good off season for the Houston Rockets and we're going to evaluate the job that the GM has done. The draft special with Landry Locker and the great Adam Spillane and the great Brandon Scott continues next. <laughs> Sports Radio 610 presents the 2023 Rockets Draft Lottery Show. Here's Landry Locker, Brandon Scott, and Adams Bolane. All right, let's assess the job that Rafael Stone has done. Adam Spillane, Brandon Scott, Landry Locker here. It is the draft special. Rockets got the number four pick. Spurs got the number one. A nightmare scenario. We're going to solve some problems, though, as well, but... Let's let's first assess the job Rafael Stone has done as general manager. Let's start with you, Spo. I think it starts with the Harden trade, and I don't think the Harden trade was a good trade. I, okay. I, I think they missed an opportunity, and it, it's hard. Th- those trades are hard to pull off, especially when you're trying to do it during the season, and they were limited with some of the options that they had because Harden basically said, I only want to go to one of four teams. Two of those teams weren't interested. So you only had the two. You had Philly and you had Brooklyn. And, you know, part of, I don't know if you'd say it's a mistake, but they certainly wanted to send Harden to a place where he wanted to go. So if maybe you don't do that, maybe if there's another team out there that wasn't on that four-team list, maybe you can get more. But they essentially traded James Harden for a bunch of lottery picks. And who's to say, you know, it's still early in the process, but right now all they've gotten is, you know, it's, it's uh Tari Eason, who's going to be a nice player. 
and you know indirectly the the 20th pick that they're going to wind up getting from the Clippers in this draft. That's really all that they had to show for it. And to me, if you're trading James Harden, who is in the middle of his prime with multiple years left on his contract, you need to get more. And you look at superstar trades that have been made, that, that had been made before, and that have been made after, the Rockets probably got the low end of what those teams got. I mean, you're looking at you know what the uh, Thunder got for Paul George, where they got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, they got Danilo Gallinari to make the money work, and then they got a bunch of picks. You look at what, what Utah got for. Uh, well, we'll even let let's Gobert. go. What uh, New yeah. Orleans? New Orleans, what they got for uh, what the Pelicans got for Anthony, Anthony Davis. Davis. Well, yeah. you're getting Lonzo Ball, you're getting Brandon Ingram, you're getting Josh Hart, plus you're getting picks on top of that. You yeah. brought up the Gobert trade. Uh, I mean, they they got. Uh, like four picks. They plus they got players, including Walker Kessler, yeah. who's probably going to be better than any of the picks that they wound up getting. You look at what Utah got for Donovan Mitchell, where you get uh, Lowry Marketing, who's an All NBA guy, an All Star uh, this year. So the Rockets got to me on the low end of the spectrum in the Harden trade, but at the same time, they avoided the Ben Simmons mess. Yep. So he want he he to me he loses by what he got back from Brooklyn, but he wins by avoiding Ben Simmons. So he he got the better of the two packages. But it's still, to me, it wasn't a great package. Now, some of the other trades that they've made, I think they've been fine. You know, they were creative with what they got for P.J. Tucker. They were creative with the Eric Gordon trade. Uh, they made a mistake by signing Tice, but they got out from under that contract without any issues. Uh, they they got what they could for Christian Wood. They did not take on any future salary. And then the big part of his job was to uh, clear out cap space, and he's done that. So I, I don't think necessarily the job, and, and I think the draft picks are going to be fine. You know, I think that you look at the later round picks, I, I think there are some misses there. Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba, I don't think those look like hits. But I, I do think um, Jalen Green at two in 2021, that looks like a good pick. Jabari Smith Jr. in 2022, I think that's going to wind up being a good pick at, at number three. Shingun was a really good trade, and and, and uh, I, I think that, that Stone deserves some credit for that. And, I, and he's also done a good job of finding some gems just off the street, whether it's K.J. Martin trading for him in the second round, Jay Sean Tate from Australia, that has turned out to be a really good signing. So uh, I think that Stone has done the easy part of the job pretty well. Now, can he get you Can he get you to the next step? Can he get you over the hump? We still have to wait and see. Yeah, I think that was well said because my point on it is that he's just – Adam just said that he's done the easy part well. I would say that he hasn't done anything hard. Like like everything everything that Raphael Stone has done has come to me easy. Like drafting Jalen Green at number two overall. Like you could still even debate that. I know at the time Adam himself was more in favor Mobley. of of Mobley. Big Mobley and, guy. And, and there's that a Adam possibility. Well, yeah, and there's a possibility that Mobley turns out to be a better player than Jalen Green. Now, obviously, they're in different situations. Mobley has was drafted by a team that was kind of ready to nurture up a young player and so they're not asked to do anything close to like the same type of thing similar things but you could still look at it and project okay did he get that pick wrong did he miss there but it's pretty easy to land on Jalen Green yeah. at number two overall it's, it's hard to screw up the second pick it, exactly and so everything that he's done well like the things that I like almost I would say the most are the Shingun trade that you mentioned I thought that was a savvy sort of move to trade up to get Shingun and then like just landing on Tari Eason there in the middle of the first round last year, I thought was a pretty good pick. But none of that to me was really that hard. There's nothing that I've really been super impressed by. And so now is where like you really get to kind of see what he's made of. You know, that to me is where he kind of, this is where he gets to kind of make his money now because everything that he's done, like Adam said, 
has been fairly standard. Like, okay, make this standard move here. He's pretty much done that. All right. Well, let's put him to the side and let's let's put together the best possible offseason. Let's let's do a little bit of uh, fantasizing. Like, what what do the Rockets do here? Are we seeing a trade with the number four pick? What what are we doing here? What are the best possibilities? The most intriguing, the most realistic possibilities. For the Rockets, is it just as simple as sign James Harden and see what happens? Is that where we're at, Spo? I, I think that's because, the easiest. Well, because well, intriguing and realistic is going to be might be a little diff- different, right? Fair enough. But the Harden is realistic. Yes. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And I, I think it's realistic, and I think that that probably shoots up to number one on their list of things to do this offseason. And I think he probably becomes their number one target just because of fills a position of need. He helps them win, and he. It's it's the cap space that they need to use, and they need to try and, and add veterans to the mix that they already have. So I, I think Harden for them is probably number one on their board of things to do this summer. And then you get to the rest of the money in, in how you spend it, but the hard part is the draft comes first. So I think that I think they'll have a pretty good idea before the draft what Harden is going to do. I think that you know, tamp if they get you know if it's tampering whatever but they'll know they'll know if he's coming back they'll i think that he will certainly make those signals oh, so zero percent chance that they haven't talked already they have they have certainly they're in back channels they have they have probably already reached out yeah yeah look because that's just how this works yeah no i, I and daryl will complain about it but daryl does the same thing so deal with it well and that's what i'm saying like the the intriguing part now, and we mentioned this earlier about that number four pick, is is it a better tool to get you a guy who could be the second best player on a contender or the third, second or third best player on a contender, or do you feel like you could draft that guy at number four overall? I would feel like you that you're better off trying to trade that pick. Like all of a sudden now, like I'm I'm thinking about shopping that pick. And there are players that I like at number four. If they don't, let's say that they don't trade the pick, there are players that I could sell myself on, a couple of them that I could sell myself on on them drafting number four. But for me, that's closer to them like spinning their wheels and being a lot closer to what they've been as opposed to like going to use that pick to go trade for a guy to take them back to relevancy as we were talking about earlier. Well, would you trade the pick for a vet or would you trade the pick to try to move up to two or three? To me... I think I'd try to move up to two or three and use maybe one of the Brooklyn picks or something of that. Well, or, or maybe even, I mean, use, that, the, maybe even use the Clippers pick. Yeah, well, fair like, enough. Like you, you have 20 in this in, in this draft, so maybe you, you take four and you take 20 and you try to move up to two or three. And, and that probably wouldn't be enough to get it done. But to me, that's something that I would look at if I were them. Because they've drafted seven guys in the first round in the last two years. They don't need to draft two more. Just draft the one guy. Just yeah. draft one guy and go from there. Have your vets on the roster. You can add two, maybe three vets to the roster in free agency. But if it's me, I'm taking four, I'm taking twenty, and I'm trying to move up. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could, I could definitely see that because just at at four, at four to me, it doesn't make as much sense to pick there. So I, I could definitely see them trading up. Um, but I don't know, man. Like this, a it's it's an odd thing to feel like, hey, you you know, you had a chance to get Victor, and now you got to use both of those picks just to get a consolation prize to not even get that guy. You know? get Brandon Miller or something? Yeah. And it's it's a hard pick to trade, too, because the, the drop-off after you get to three is so steep. So it's going to take – obviously, it would take a whole lot more than four and 20 
to move up to three, I think. And, and the answer to your draft. to your earlier question also depends on who is the player that we're talking about. Like like when we say a veteran or just like when we talk about the draft, draft a quarterback, trade for a veteran. Like you got to give me the name, right? So like whoever the name is, and, like, and we've done this before. Like we've thrown out names out there, and obviously we talked about Jalen Brown earlier. But who is the veteran that you would be willing to part ways for? Who's the what? What makes makes more sense? This insert veteran here, or trying to pursue a consolation prize that is not Victor Wembanyama. So what is Plan B if you don't get James Harden? Like give, give me give me some names. Like Ooh. if you don't get James Harden, if James Harden gets the deal that he desires in Philadelphia, let's say he's just using the Rockets to to get that deal and you don't get James Harden, then what? I'll say this. I heard your guess. But before you go, Spo, I'll say this. The drop-off between James Harden and, let's say, the next best available fit for you in free agency is not nearly as big as it is with Vic, but it's still pretty big. Like, it's still a pretty, to me, drastic change. Like, when I start looking at free agents that I'm interested in, they are nowhere near the caliber of, say a James Harden like now I'm starting to look at like Austin Reeves and Seth Curry and like guys like that who are like nowhere near as a type of needle mover they're not going to do nearly as much for you as a team as say a James Harden like there are better players obviously Chris Middleton's out there and you know like Kyrie Irving is a name that's out there he's second on the list he's second on the list and I and I I could I could not imagine him wanting to invite that sort of uh sort of energy into the organization but hey like that he's also a dude that changes kind of what your floor is, I feel like. So, um, but but obviously that's nowhere near as what James Harden is fit wise. Well, let's let's just go through. This is the hoops I top free agent list, and obviously Harden is at one, Kyrie Irving is at two, Fred Van Vliet is at three, um, fourth is Kristaps Porzingis, five is Chris Middleton, six is Nikola Vucevic, seven is Draymond Green, eight is Jeremy Grant, nine is Brooke Lopez, ten is Kyle Kuzma. Then you're getting into D'Angelo Russell, Jakob yeah. Pertle, Jordan Clarkson, and Jakob Pertle, like all Johnson. Of, all of these players are players that would make the Rockets better on some level. Like they could, they could stand to use any one of those players that you mentioned. But to me, when you look at it, and, and especially for what you're going to pay, like, like I think the drop off between James Harden and Fred Van Vliet is actually fairly significant in terms of yes. what they're oh, no what they're giving you. Like I know there's. You know, a lot of people are down on James Harden because of the recency bias and how things ended in the playoffs and all of that. But don't make any mistake about it and think that these are the same caliber player. Like, Did you watch Fred Van Vliet in the plan? Then, you know, it's absurd. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like, and I've, I've seen a lot of it. But, yeah, I mean, that's where you're at. That's what you're talking about. Like, like you want to throw a bunch of money at Chris Middleton? Uh, at, after at, what he's done the last couple of years? No, no, of course not. At Nikola Vucevic, who yeah. went to... They, you know, they already traded have. to Chicago. They, they already and, have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> that's it, it, he's he's an older Alperin Shingun, basically. He's Shingun who can shoot a little bit better. I mean, yeah, no, it's it's not, it's rough out there. Now there are some guys that can help you, but do they take you from tied for 14th in the West in 22 wins to now you're knocking on the door of the playing? Now you're getting to 40 wins. Like, are they no. are they helping you improve by 18 games? And the answer is no. No, and that's what they need to get to because again. Oklahoma City essentially controls their next three drafts. Not not without relying on a substantial improvement from your core guys that you which, have which already. Which could happen. Which could happen. But, but, I mean, obviously, that you don't factor that into the calculus of what you do in free agency. You want a floor raiser and all of that. Let's put a bow on this. Relive what went down. Let's also 
try to look on the bright side of things. Uh, we will do that as the draft show continues. Not the draft show. Damn, I'm still in draft mode. I guess it is technically the draft show. The lottery show continues next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sports Radio 610 presents the 2023 Rockets Draft Lottery Show. Here's Landry Locker, Brandon Scott, and Adam Spillane. What if this Victor guy sucks? What if he's not good? Landry Locker, Adam Spillane, Brandon Scott here. You're laughing. What, what if he's a bust? Am man? I am I a jerk for kind of rooting for that? Like I, no. it, it, it is it Once is. Once he puts on the Spurs, you root for you root for the worst case scenario. I don't have hater in me. It is not in my nature to just inherently root for somebody to suck. So I am rooting oh, for him. Root for him to suck. I'm at the very least rooting for him to not be as good. But yeah, part of the part of me, the, at least the Rockets fan in me, does want him to be a major bust. I mean, the best player picked in the in the, the best player in the Western Conference Finals is a second round pick. So, I mean, it's not like there's any such thing as a guarantee. And these guys do flop all the time. Uh, it would be pretty shocking if he did, but. I'll say this. I don't. Maybe the fourth pick is the best pick. I want side. him to flop. I don't necessarily want him to get hurt because that's the big concern. Like, to me, the only reason why he doesn't work out would be an injury history. And I don't root for that on him. Like, I don't want him to have, like, some kind of horrible injury history. You don't root for it, but would you be upset? As, as long as he's not very good, honest. I would be fine with it, yes, to be honest with you. But I'm not rooting for I it to happen. I want to see him be great. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the team. Yeah, yeah no. You know, Adam, so the dynamic of our podcast is, and this is the dynamic of Adam anytime he's on the air, but Tell he's kind of. the name of the podcast. The H-Town Hoops Podcast. H-Town Hoops Podcast. It's an Odyssey original. You can get it wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe. And subscribe. Tell a friend. But Adam is the voice of reason normally wherever he goes. And, and I'm sort of that as well. But anybody that knows me knows that when it comes to the Rockets, I can I can be a little bit irrational. I can be a little bit over the top sometimes. So Adam provides sort of the balance, and I come from it with a journalism background, but with the fan perspective. And and, and I am sad today. I am very much sad tonight. Rockets got the number four pick. Spurs got the number one pick. So had they gotten number two, would, would we be okay? We'd be okay with two? Yeah, yes, oh, for, for sure. sure. For sure. Yeah, three? No, no. Three, yeah. we would have been fine, yeah. Yeah, because it, it would have also depended on who got two, and then that would have been an interesting question of, you know, who like who do they pick and what do you do there? I mean, if you would have come out of this draft with either Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, you're fine because those are two guys that I think you say they they are they could be the best or second best player on a championship level team. I think that most people as we as we go into this process will say that that's the case. I mean, you have um, Scoot Henderson draws comparisons to Derrick Rose. He's drawn comparisons to Russell Westbrook. Those are two guys that have one MVP in the league. Um, Brandon Miller gets kind of the Paul George type comps, but Paul George is a really good player, and Paul George, Paul George uh, is a really, really good player. And, he's a great and, player. And Brandon Miller plays a position that has been really tough for them to find, where he's a versatile wing who can shoot, and the Rockets have really had trouble filling that spot really since Trevor Ariza left. Well, both, but both of them, right? Like they, they are also 
They're as close to elite prospects as you're going to get. They would be number one probably in any other draft. But then they also, and it, it's beyond this, honestly, because of where the Rockets are at, but they also feel very specific needs to the point that you're yes. talking about with, with, uh, with, with Brandon Miller, but also with Scoot Henderson. Like either one of them would have filled very specific and I think somewhat desperate needs for the Rockets on top of that. Which is why I, I still feel like the trade-up would make a lot of sense for them. And we brought this up where yeah, I, I don't think, you know, it, it would be hard to pull off that type of a trade with Portland because Portland would be looking for guys. If they traded that pick, they're looking for guys who could help them right away. The Rockets don't really have players they could give in order to help Portland right away. Charlotte is, is in a different boat because the Hornets basically have one player and that's it at this point. It's LaMelo Ball. And the rest of that roster is very, very thin. You know, Mark Williams might turn into a nice player, but after that, that that's a that's a that's probably the worst roster in in the NBA. Maybe them in San Antonio at this point. So maybe if you're them, you're the you're the Rockets, you can go to, to Charlotte and say, hey, we'll give you four, we'll give you twenty. We have these Brooklyn picks that we can give you. You know, we have some other assets that we can give you which will help you build up your roster moving forward because that's not a free agent destination. So we'll help you build up your roster. Just give us two. Yeah. And yeah. then you trade up to just whatever, whatever falls to you, falls to you. That uh, you're, you're talking trading up to, to I'm, I'm talking, no, I'm talking about trading up to two, two, so two. Okay. Yeah. And then you're so taking, you you're taking, I, I, you know, it might be Miller. It, it might be Scoot. It might be Miller. It kind of depends on the, the stuff with Harden. Like if, if you were to, if you were to sign Harden, would that preclude you from taking Henderson? I don't know if it would for them. I don't know if you're saying we're gonna we're going to sign this guy who might be with our team for two years. So does that mean that we avoid taking another point guard for the because of those two years? I don't know if that's how they how they would necessarily operate. But if you're looking to build up a team for this next season, if you add Harden, then you don't really have that same sort of a need for a point guard where a wing you would have a need. I, I think Brandon Miller would fit perfectly with the guys that they already have if they were to sign Harden. Yeah, and see I I like the idea of doing it for Scoot more so than Miller because I think Miller is much more of a fit. Like you just said, mm -hmm. I think he's much more of a fit for what they do, whereas I could see Scoot Henderson being much more of a player that stands out, somebody that you're kind of more so building around as opposed to – like Miller, you could argue, and, I, and I've actually seen some people actually argue this, that Brandon Miller in some ways, the off-the-court stuff aside – is in some ways the safest pick because some of the things that he does well just clearly translate yeah. to the NBA game, and you could argue he might actually be the safest pick in a draft. So how much does that attract you as a team, or would you want to bet on Scoot Henderson's upside, which is where I would lean toward, especially if I were the Rockets? You need that position. You also can move KPJ into a more natural role. You don't have to force this KPJ as your starting point guard thing anymore. He can either be a wing or he could be somebody, and we've talked about this on the podcast as well, he could be somebody that comes off the bench. And I lead, love him coming off the bench. He could lead your second unit. Yeah, he's perfect for that. Oh, it's it's a much more suitable role because, like, it, it's not all bad with KPJ. He was, in a lot of ways, their best, he was player, their best last, player last year. He was their best yeah, player last easy. year, like, period. So, like, you could put him in a more suitable role and sort of build around what Scoot Henderson brings to the table. You, but, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if they would want to do Henderson – because I don't know, they want another inexperienced point guard? Because you've seen them try and piece this whole thing together with a guy learning how to play point guard on the fly, and it's hurt them offensively. That's why yeah, for but he them, doesn't have to learn, right? I mean, he's already a pretty natural point guard. Yeah, but he's got to make. He's got to yeah, take that rookie. It's a curve. whole lot different. The rookie curve, yeah, no. it's a whole lot different playing point guard at this level than it is playing in high school AAU or even in the G League, which, which is what he did last year. I think that that speaks much more to their dilemma of trying to figure out 
how to win this year? Like the, the exact question that Adam just asked. Like, do you want to do this again with a rookie point guard in a season in which, like, obviously you're developing young players, but now you're doing it in a year where you actually need to be good. You need to be better. It, it doesn't. It doesn't help you to be bad. Like these these right. last three years, it has been beneficial for them to be bad because they had full control of their drafts. Now that they don't have full control of their next three drafts, it you don't have that same. You know, there, there's not that that same. Uh, you know, it doesn't help them necessarily. And I would I would also ask the question: Do you want another guy on your team that doesn't shoot it that well? Like, they got plenty of those. Yeah, they got too, They got way too many of those. Like the biggest Which issue, is why Miller... Right, it, exactly. It, it gets That's into, what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at. It, it yep. gets into best player available or need. To yep. me, that that's kind of the, the discussion that you would be having if you were it too. Do you, which obviously they aren't right now, but they could always trade up. That's why we're having this conversation. Do you go for best player available or do you go for need? With where they're they at... They gotta go best player available. Well, but, but, but the fact that they... You that think it, they're in a need situation? No, no, no. The fact that they don't benefit from being bad, like yeah. Adam is saying, the fact that you don't benefit from being bad kind of changes the calculus on what you prioritize and, and it feels and, like maybe uh, need and is more so the thing that you would bet on. And their top free agent... Uh, Target plays the same position. So the Harden thing is kind of what makes is what changes, I, I think, the equation a little bit. If if Harden played small forward, if he were a wing and not a point guard, then you would just go Henderson and plug Harden in at the three. But because Harden's a point guard, are, are you going to sign Harden and then draft a point guard at number two? I, I think that that would be tough for a team that is trying to win next season. James Harden was, what, a top 20 player last year? Um, I mean, led the league in assists. Yeah, he, he, I don't know top 20 player, but certainly a top five point guard, maybe even a top three point guard. When you consider the job that he was asked to do in Philly, he was still a really good player. And you saw, I know the end of that Boston series was really bad, but they're not in game seven without him. And that series probably goes four games or maybe even five if he does not put up 40 in games one and games four. So what is what does this team look like if they add James Harden? Like what, what kind of... Give me, give me a win total um, off the top of the. Dome. That's a good, a really good. And let's question. pretend, and let's let's not let's not let's pretend that they have a a good off season, like filling holes around Harden. We don't even have to get into specifics. Let's say they bring in James Harden, and they do a perfect job. Whether it's adding shooting, whether it's adding another big who can do, you know, some some more things that Shingun can't do. Like, how, what's the win total that we're talking? I think the floor, thirty five. Okay. I think the floor would probably be 35, which it probably does not get them into the play-in. It doesn't. But they're also not finishing. They're not giving away a top five pick to Oklahoma. You know, they're not giving away the seventh pick in the draft to Oklahoma City under that scenario. So, I like, what's hard in the West, like, you look at the teams in the West, they're all good, aside from San Antonio. And there's no reason to think that any of those teams that they would have to jump are going to be worse. Like, we can go through it. Denver is the top seed in the West. They're not going anywhere. Uh, Memphis finished second in the West. The Morant thing is weird, but you would assume that they'll still be. Yeah, they, they, they will be better than the Rockets going into <laughs> next year. Sacramento is going to be better than the Rockets next year. Phoenix will be better than the Rockets next year. The Clippers will be better than the Rockets next year. Golden State, Minnesota, the Lakers, uh, the teams that, that did not make the playoffs, New Orleans, Oklahoma City. Then you get into Dallas. I mean, these are all teams in the West that are really good. So you have to jump teams that are better than you. Yeah, no, it is, it is solely about the Rockets getting better. They're not going to be able to benefit and look their way into the war of attrition in this. They they absolutely got to like actually improve the team. Because like Adam said, none of these teams are getting worse. You yourself has to get better 
for me, the number Utah. is... Utah? Forgot about Utah. Yeah, you got to put them would, in there. They, would I you mean, trade both of your first-round picks if it meant you could move to the East for a year? I'm pretty sure Daryl Moore tried to do that. Just, just, a, just a year? <laughs> yeah, but just a year. But just a year. No, you get no, to I, need, I need longer year. than that. Might no. be talking playoffs, bro. I need give me a couple years. Give me a couple years. I don't, <laughs> you trade the number four overall pick and you get to go to the East for I mean, a year. Just, gonna, just to get knocked out by Jimmy Butler. They're going to add two. <laughs> they're going to add two expansion teams. In all likelihood, they're going to be on the West Coast. It'll be Vegas and it'll probably be Seattle. So those that, that should be two teams that can move to the East. The Rockets should already start that application. Like, hey, I, I hear you need two teams to move to the East. We'll gladly do it. <laughs> Forty games gets them in the play-in, right? That, um, that's what it was this year. Yeah. Or, I, you, uh, and I'm just saying, give, it, give or take, it, roughly. It's, it's difficult for the 10th best team in the West to win more than 40 games just because you're beating up on each other. So when you're playing in the, you know, you're playing 52 games against teams from the Western Conference, it's hard to win that many. The the Sacramento Kings were the number three seed with 48 wins. Yeah. That's how competitive everybody the was West bunched was. up. Yeah. I mean, why don't we just trade both first round picks for John Morant? <laughs> Would who, you do it? Who says no? Would I? Yes. Yes. I would, would not. Why not? I would t- not. Oh, we got John Lucas here. Wait, wait. John Lucas, Bo- here's a raise. Hey, Bo- here's your Bo- next project. Wait, Bo- <laughs> Figure it out. First round picks for John Morant yes. without blinking. Yes. I would do it. I, yes. I would I would want to get down to the heart of the issue yes. with John Morant, Let's and I would want to have a serious uh, conversation. That's a, that's a tough one. About what's going on. Let's see. There's, but, there's, no, there's no strip clubs here to get in trouble. No, of course not. No, there's there's nothing that can get you in trouble in this town. But the problem too with Murray's going to be suspended for a good portion. That's of the next fine year too. Yeah. That's fine. Well, he not, can not, rehab not when and John Lucas will help him. <laughs> not, not when John you have Lucas to win is going to help him. We got John Lucas. Now we got to win. We can wait. I'm sure, for John Lucas is going to be with the Rockets Could next you year. Imagine John Morant and Jalen Green flying down the floor. Yeah, like. Yeah, you could have no. had it with Scoot Henderson. Son, you still could have it. Come on, man. You mean James Harden walking the ball up and Jalen Green isn't quite the same thing? <laughs> I saw everybody go stand in the corner. Go be James P- Harden getting the ball over over center court with seventeen on the shot clock. Go be PJ Tucker and Luke Mbamute. We got revival. We got revival. John Morant. That like that. That would be the. Bl- I mean, they did it with Porter. Yeah, but I don't think not quite the same level of yeah, talent. But yeah, and not I think. Porter's issues weren't quite as bad as Morant's. We don't think so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would do it. Why would not? you do Jalen Green for Morant? Yeah, I would, sure. Why not? Let's go. <laughs> That's not yeah. exactly saying it with conviction. Well, I mean, yeah, what, why what not? We say? we're talking about I mean, relevance. There, there's obviously the, relevance. Look, the issue is the off-course stuff, but, I mean, like, let's just call it what it is right now. You are hoping, if you're a Rockets fan, that Jalen Green turns out to be the caliber player that Jai Morant is. And I'm not, not saying that he can't do it. But you're hoping that he's somewhere along those lines where he's being in conversations for, you know, perennial All-NBA and, you know, uh, like the, the best player on a team that can finish in the top, four, you know, four seeds in a conference. You're also hoping he's not suspended multiple times for having guns out in public. Well, I think this is going to be the last one. He just then, can't have no guns, man. No, no, <laughs> hope. it's the last one until the last one. So yeah. this is either it or it's it. You know, so, like no. this is if th- he comes here, somebody's gonna tell his country ass that you're gonna have a security guard who has a gun and you will not touch a gun for as long as you are under contract with this team. You will have a you will have a gunman, just like all of the rest of the rich and famous people do. Like, how is it that all of these people in the NBA got a gun? All of these people in the NBA got security, but he the only one on IG Live showing his gun. You think he the only NBA player with a gun? No, of course not. Of course not. Why is he the only one on camera with the gun? Well, that's an issue that he's got to come to grips with. And 
I don't want to get. I don't want to try and psychoanalyze John Morant. No, just not, take. Just turn I'm the camera not off. Qualify for it. Just turn the camera off and put the gun down, my man, and it play basketball. You're a basketball player. It's very easy. You're a basketball you can player. Have, you can have the guns. Just don't go on Instagram live. And yeah, flash. yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. very simple. See, that seems like an easy fix for me. No Instagram live, no guns. Also, I don't, I don't, I don't want no commotion at the Galleria either, though. He See likes you after to, the All-Star He likes break. to go up to the mall and 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 like like like, like we don't need break. we don't need uh, none of that. Locker. Yeah, yeah. Like See you after the All-Star break. Nah, Let's go. No, nah, man, we need to get it together. Keep your head out here, man. Get him at the um what's the what what's the Fertita Hotel? Post Oak. Post Oak. Yeah. yeah, get him at the Post Oak. Get him some spa, get him some woosaw, get him some um Therapy? Let's who, ball. Who was the dude that Jerry Jones had follow around Des Bryant for all that time? Um, Is he available? Yeah, I know him. David what, Wells. Go get him. I know him very well. They had, the, tell the, him we Josh got Hamilton a job. Had a guy too. Tell him we it, got Jerry a, Naren's brother was. Uh, yeah, that was, was, was Josh great. Hamilton. That wasn't great. We've got a job for you. <laughs> it's hard to do it. Come it's hold. Hard to, it's hard to babysit it. Come hold John Morant's hand so he didn't touch a gun on camera. Easy. There you go. There Didn't you know go. this was the direction things were going, but uh, I mean, look, I, I, I got to be able when to you laugh get at some four, point. When you get picked four, all bets are off. You got to laugh to keep them crying. Yeah, was, we were gonna. I was prepared for a Brandon Miller, Scoot Jackson, uh, Wimby hype train, but when you get picked four, you end up talking about maybe trading John Morant and giving him some counseling. That's just kind of the night that it's been. Hey, Ocho is so down on Jalen Green. My man says, I trade Jalen Green for a coconut smile. That's, that's a bit strong. No, it's very it's strong. The first time me and Ocho have kind of agreed on that. No, it's uh, very strong. But, but, but Jalen does bring it out of people. Yeah. He, there are polarizing opinions. But, but he matters more now, right? Like after this, he now all of a sudden matters more as a cornerstone piece yeah. and a number two overall pick. Oh, he already mattered enough. Oh, my. But the fact that you don't have a guy that could like supplant him as your centerpiece, you're not drafting that guy more than likely. And, you know, we haven't talked about the guys that they really have on the roster very much tonight, but yeah. Jalen Green is the type of guy that you want as a cornerstone just because he can do things on a, on a basketball floor that very few people can do. I mean, just the athleticism is off the charts. Yep. But he's also probably their hardest worker. And, you know, he, he is not a guy who, at least you hope, he, he is the type of guy that you want being the face of your franchise because he's going to put in the work. He's going to be, he's been responsible through these first two years that he's been with the Rockets. And I, I do think that that sort of stuff matters because when you are the face of a franchise, you're not just the best player. You are the leader. It is your team. Everybody else feeds off of you. I need that jump shot to come through, though, man. That jump shot. I needed to come through. I need that efficiency to go up. I like that he was He's going to work, though. Like, yeah. oh, that's yeah. the one no. thing. He's well, going to work. To your point, he's drawing more fouls. Yeah. He's getting to the free throw line. Like he, he did the work to like make his body big. Like When he came in as a rookie, obviously he was a young kid. But he did not very much look like an NBA player, even though he I ran and yeah, he ran and jumped like one, but he looked like a child. Now he looks like I mean he looks about his age, you know, like a 20, 21 year old kid. So I mean that that's encouraging. Uh, but I do need that jump shot and that efficiency to go up. Fellas, sure. been a pleasure. Give them the podcast again so they can uh enjoy this type of content throughout the season, throughout the uh Throughout the process yeah, that we're in. summer, too. Yeah, man. It's the H-Town Hoops podcast with myself, Brandon Scott, and Adam Spillane. Austin Mendez handles things on the other side of the glass, producing the bad boy for us. Make sure that y'all subscribe and tell a friend about it. It's an Odyssey original. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. There you go. H-Town Hoops podcast. Thanks to Chris Santiago for holding it down. I'm Landry Locker. You'll hear me tomorrow, 10 a.m. on In the Loop. Uh, get your morning started, though, with Payne and Pendergast at 6, and then wrap it up uh, with the drive for Brandon Scott, for Spo, for Chris Santiago. I'm Landry Locker. This has been the Draft Lottery Special. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. 
have an excellent or try to have an excellent night. Pop these nuts. <laughs>